This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit! Browns are going to win! Mayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. It is NFL Draft Week, and while the Browns don't have a pick in the first round after trading for Sean Watson, in fact, they don't have a first-round pick next year or the year after that either, and Arlick and I are here to talk about the, the Browns and what they could be doing in the draft this year. We're going to talk about Baker Mayfield a little bit, too, because that's going to be a hot topic uh, throughout the draft, and quite frankly, until something happens with him and, and the Browns. So we'll talk about that some, too. Before we get to that, don't forget, we are brought to you by USA Today Sports Plus. Make sure to check them out on the Apple Store and the Google Play Store. It's a kind of a new look at covering sports, a little bit different perspective. Some really good people over there doing it. So USA Today Sports Plus, thanks to them for kind of bringing our show to you today. Nate, we are recording this on Wednesday afternoon. The NFL draft kicks off on Thursday night, continues on Friday and then Saturday. A week from now, do you expect Baker Mayfield to still be a member of the Cleveland Browns? Well, I'm going to be optimistic and uh, I'm going to look at this in a positive uh, light for both sides because they both really want to get this over with and move on. I'll say that the chapter uh, for Baker Mayfield and Cleveland will come to an end here. Um, That'll be my official guess for this question. Um, You know, if it doesn't, then I think that it could get just even more awkward and weird and the Browns could be holding on to Baker um, through, you know, the rest of the off season program into the summer. And at that point, it's like they're in the territory of playing the waiting game for a quarterback injury to pop up somewhere. So I, I think the draft, um, and the days following the draft are really the sweet spot to, you know, get these divorce papers signed. So I'm going to, I'm going to say, you know, Baker wants out, he wants to move on. Obviously um, he wants to find out where he's going and the Browns certainly they've got their quarterback room. It's Deshaun Watson, Jacoby Brissett and Josh Dobbs and Baker Mayfield obviously uh, is not part of the plans. And, and Andrew Berry's just being patient and trying to, you know, make a trade, um, you know, that, that is uh, in the best interest of the Browns, obviously with the $18.858 million guaranteed on the fifth year option um, that's due to Baker Mayfield in the 2022 season, that's the obstacle, right? So the Browns are going to have to pay uh, a good chunk of that. You know, I would not be surprised at all if it's, uh, you know, double digit millions that they, they pay, um, get, get a pit pick back, uh, nothing, nothing, you know, great. 
uh, in terms of the, the draft pick compensation, but it will allow both sides to move on. And, you know, there won't be, you know, just kind of this awkward, you know, waiting game and weird dance and potential podcast appearances, uh, you know, while Baker's still officially a member <laughs> of the Browns. So, you know, I, obviously he's going to continue to talk about this um, if he feels like it. But, you know, at least they will have moved on um, if they're able to get this done like I'm guessing. Yeah. It, I, I'm hopeful it gets done, too, because like you said, just to kind of sever it and get over any of the weird stuff. And part of me wonders if, you know, we've seen Andrew Barry be very creative in either how contracts get structured, some trades and that kind of thing. Part of me wonders, and this is just me making up ideas in my head, right? So like Carolina, for instance, is is the team probably most associated with possibly trading for Baker Mayfield. They don't have a second or third round pick this year because they made the terrible trade for Sam Darnold. Part of me wonders if Andrew Barry approaches a trade with a team like Carolina and says, okay, have, what about this trade? We give you Baker, we'll pay some of his money, and we'll give you our later third round pick this year, and you give us a pick that can either be a second or third rounder in 2023, depending on performance. Part of me wonders, do you, do you think he's going to have to get like really weird and creative with, with a trade like that for, you know, whether it's the Panthers or the Seahawks or, you know, any number of these teams, you know, the Titans are out there, the Falcons, you could argue, are out there. How creative do you think Andrew Barry is going to have to be just to get rid of this guy? I think you're on to something like I know that the Browns front office viewed the way they were able to get out of the Odell Beckham Jr. situation when he forced his way out of town in November. They viewed that as um, like an NBA buyout. I mean, that's the phrase that was uttered to me. And, um, you know, that that was a creative solution and they they came to a settlement they signed the papers and then you know the browns had to pay x amount if odell was claimed off waivers uh and then had to pay x amount if he were signed um after clearing waivers and and so you know they weren't on the hook for all of it um and i do think andrew berry again will be creative uh to I, I, this is going to cost the Browns, but to to minimize kind of the 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 damage of um, not being able to trade Baker Mayfield's contract in full, because that's just not going to happen. Um, and then releasing them outright is not a good idea for the Browns either, because then if he he just signs that minimum, um, I think it's one point zero three five million dollars for a player of his experience, mm-hmm. um, you know, then uh, the Browns would be on the hook for everything else in that 18.858 million. So there's ways to do it, and and I think it will be a creative solution. Yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating either way. So you know, maybe a week from now, when we record our next podcast, we'll we'll know what happened and and where he's playing and what the deal was. And if not, it's it's going to be a long 
long drawn out off season. I, I feel like so. Yeah, I think we'll Thursday see. night. Oh, sorry, yeah. Dan. Uh, I no, think Thursday. I think Thursday night. That's the thing for Browns fans to watch. Like, well, there's a couple things because you know they don't go on the clock till the second round on Friday night, number 44 overall. Look at the potential Baker Mayfield landing spots. Do those teams take a quarterback? You know, so the Panthers at six, the Seahawks at nine, some of the other teams you mentioned. If those teams don't take a quarterback, then that that possibility remains alive for that for that team to trade for Baker Mayfield. And then, you know, the other thing I would watch, and I guess this could segue maybe Dan, but like you know, keep track of which <laughs> defensive ends, uh, wide receivers, defensive tackles come off the board, and who's left at the end of round two or, or at the end of round one, heading into round two. Yeah, and that that is the perfect segue because. You know, at this point, again, we're recording Wednesday afternoon. There's still been no, really in over a week, there's been no forward movement on anything involving Jadavian Clowney and Jarvis Landry, two guys who were on the Browns last season. They're free agents right now. There's there's still nothing to update on that, is there, Nate? No, um, I think that this is, now, you know, watch something get agreed upon after I say sure. this before the draft. But I think it is a wait and see how the draft plays out for vet- for a lot of veteran players throughout the league, not just Clowney and, and Jarvis Landry. But those are the two big names, obviously, on the Browns radar. And there's mutual interest, as, as, as we've said before on this podcast. Both agents on the record have told me there's mutual interest, um, which is interesting because agents usually don't put their names on the record. Um, but I think they're in the point where they want people to know it and they want to back it up and put their names to it. And I think that uh, Jadavian Clowney is more likely to return than Jarvis Landry. Um, I don't think both of them will be back. Um, I guess I could, you know, reserve the right to be wrong about that. But um, I just think that uh I just I feel like Jadavian Clowney is more likely because of, because of the reasons I said before, but I'll reiterate just because he's an unrestricted free agent. OK, so he's on the open market. His contract expired. He hasn't re-signed with the Browns, but he hasn't signed with anybody. And as time goes on, I feel like coming back might just make the most sense to him, especially now that the development we didn't talk about that was, you know, just recently last week. Um, there's some flirting. Uh, Miles Garrett, he's trying his best to recruit Jadavian Clowney. Uh, he's done it in news conferences dating back to late last season. Now he's on social media saying they have unfinished business, tweeting and putting uh, on Instagram photos of the two of them uh, and catching Jadavian Clowney's eyes uh, with emoji eyes and all these things that you see on, on Instagram and whatever. So like <laughs> the full court press is still on from number 95. And, uh, you know, that can't hurt. I know Jadavian uh, really loved playing with Miles, and, uh, you know, <clears throat> Miles wants him back. He's on the record saying it, and he continues to make that known. Um, another thing is, you know, on Jarvis Landry, they cut him. He was under contract. They cut him. They want to save money. They want to pay him that, you know, more than $15 million salary, have that more than $16 million uh, salary cap hit uh, for 2022. So they cut him and it's, you know, sometimes you cut a player and they come back for less. But a lot a, a lot of agents have told me that they've had many clients over the years who would rather take a pay cut elsewhere, not go back into that same locker room at a, at a reduced rate. Right. Um, 
What I think, though, is, uh, you know, Jarvis Landry is so well-respected that I don't think anybody would think less of him if he did that in terms of the guys in the locker room. But he's also such a prideful guy, you know, and this happened with the Browns with Sheldon Richardson uh, last offseason. They cut him in a cost-saving move, uh, kept the door open for a return, and ultimately he he decided to move on and go to the Minnesota Vikings. So I if I had to bet, I, I think that that will probably be the outcome with Jarvis Landry. Uh, and all of this leads me to my original point that I think Jadavian Clowney is the more likely uh, of those two. And I really kind of get the feeling that, um, you know, whatever the Browns do at 44, um, they still feel like they've got a really good shot at Clowney. Like, um, you know, because I, I think that they could – I think that they could draft a defensive end of the future and and still have Clowney, and it would be like succession planning, essentially, for the spot opposite Garrett. Um, so they'll be fun. It would be a lot more clear picture if they put if they picked a receiver at 44, for instance. Um, you know, then it's like, wow, the path is very uh, clutter free for Jadavian Clowney just to come back and feel great about it and reunite with Garrett the way that uh, Garrett wants. Uh, it all to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I can already hear it in my head. You know, the Browns take a wide receiver at 44, and ESPN cuts to Adam Schefter, you know, doing one of his quick hits of the. It may seem unique the Browns didn't draft a defensive end, but sources tell me that Jadavian Clowney will be signing with the Browns on a one-year deal next week. So that's why the Browns, you know, that that kind of thing. I, yeah. I can absolutely hear it in my head already. So we'll see. It's uh, he's he's a very good player, premium position, obviously, big position of need. Um, that basically, to me, that that's the biggest hole the Browns have right now. How hard is it to kind of get a beat on what the Browns might be doing at 44, Nate? Is it is it just kind of uh, paying a tail on the donkey kind of thing. That's how I feel, at least. And I, I don't know who they're going to pick. I can't figure out what position they might be targeting there because it's going to be dependent on who's available, of course. And I also don't... I also kind of wonder, like, will they try and trade that pick or are they just going to be fine sitting there? I, I don't know. I wonder how restless Andrew Barry's going to be on Thursday and Friday with that pick. So... What do you what do you think at number forty four? Well, first of all, yeah, it's harder to predict because so many things can happen when you're all the way back at forty four. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just it feels like endless scenarios, and you just don't know um, who's going to be available, what trades are going to be made to shake things up, who could maybe even you know fall that nobody expects to fall. So. That's why it's so hard to predict, but I'm, I'm sticking with it's going to be a wide receiver or a defensive end uh, with a small chance of defensive tackle. Like it's going to be a wide receiver or defensive lineman and out of the defensive lineman, the end is is much more likely than a tackle based on the fact that this is a really deep. Um, you know, in talented edge class, I think somebody there um, enticing somebody will be there who's enticing to the Browns and also. Uh, it's just so so much more valued uh, of a position over tackle in the NFL, and, and certainly the Browns have not treated tackle as a premium spot yet. So under Andrew Barry, I should say. So, um, 
you know, I, I lean wide receiver. Um, so I made up some percentages. I just imagined them because these are just right. This is nobody can possibly know, but people like <laughs> numbers. So I made up numbers in, in an analysis that, uh, that I wrote that's going to post uh, at 6 a.m. Thursday. I love it. Yeah, so I just made up some numbers, and I went 50%, it'll be a wide receiver, 39% will be a defensive end, um, 11% it'll be a defensive tackle or and or something like that. I don't – I just screwed it all up. But, um, <laughs> yeah, the bottom line is I, I, I've got it uh, adding up to 100, and uh, – Yeah, fifty percent, thirty-nine percent, ten percent, and and one. I didn't have eleven. I, I left a I left a one percent chance that it'll be a surprise position, just because. I mean, it is the draft, and you and never say never. But yeah, so I didn't put that defensive tackle at eleven. I put it at ten. So fifty wide receiver, uh, thirty-nine defensive end, ten defensive tackle, and one surprise position. That those are my percentages for for the Browns' second round pick that I just made up. <laughs> uh, but that's how I feel. It's just a, it's just a way to illustrate how how I'm viewing it. I think wide receivers are most likely. Um, you know, we already talked about me uh, thinking that the Jadavian Clowney is more likely to come back uh, than Jarvis yeah. Landry, so that's that's a factor. Um, and there's just a there's a hole in the starting lineup. Uh, you know, opposite Amari Cooper. I mean, they have Donovan Peoples Jones, who I think highly of as a a guy on the rise. Um, but unproven certainly is a starter. Um, Anthony Schwartz, unproven, even in a, a role play, uh, a role uh, player capacity, um, you know, had a had a rookie season that, um, you know, was weird with the hamstring injury and training camp concussion during the season and just never seemed to get in a groove, was never fully healthy. Um you know, I know they expect more from him this year, but not a guy you're you're thinking is going to step in and 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 be a, a taking uh, starter uh, level snaps. Um, Demetric Felton, I, I sometimes forget to mention him, but he's because they list him as a running back, but he's really a receiver. You know, but that's you know J- Jakeem Grant, who's the, the Pro Bowl return man, who can be kind of a gadget guy. But that's it, you know. I mean, and yes, David Njoku's a tight end, but. You need another receiver or two, uh, probably two. You probably need a guy who who you can line up on the outside, a guy who's in the slot. And and Jarvis Landry did both those roles and and did them very well and has five Pro Bowls uh, to show for it. And so I just think that when you invest $230 million fully guaranteed into Sean Watson, um, you're not going to want him to be uh, lacking receiving weapons whatsoever. So I just can't see them. Uh, leaving some items uh, out of the the cupboard, so to speak. I think they're going to want that cupboard full to, uh, you know, have Deshaun Watson looking like he's worth every penny, um, you know, probably after he serves an NFL suspension uh, and can hit the ground running with all these weapons around him after he didn't even play it all last season. So I think they're really going to want to support him with another receiver or two. And I think, one of those will come in the second round. And as far as specific player, um, my vote is for Sky Moore. I, I like a lot about him. Um, you know, I talked to his head coach who who did a good job uh, selling me on his personality because I can go on YouTube and watch the highlights. 
uh, and they're incredible. I mean, he's a dynamic playmaker with great hands, amazing speed. I can look at the combine workouts, uh, look up the times, look up the measurables, uh, see all that stuff on the field. Um, but the stuff that I like to add um, on top of that is just a little bit of intel. And, uh, you know, his coach said that he uh, normally has exit interviews with players and he and he kicks them off. Uh, you know, he starts by kind of, you know, dictating the meeting. But when he meets with Sky Moore uh, at the end of every season, Sky Moore immediately takes charge and asks what he has to do better. And they just deep dive into all these different facets of his game. And like he is all business. Uh, they recruited him as a cornerback. Uh, you know, he's new to receiver, which I mentioned uh, in a previous pod with you, Dan. He's only played for the receiver for three seasons, which I think speaks to his upside potential. But he was really recruited as an athlete and started uh, as a cornerback, like began his tenure at West, Western Michigan at cornerback, began his spring ball and everything. Then they moved him. Well, the number they gave him was number 24, which makes sense for a corner. You don't see that on a receiver, but he did not care. He said, I don't care. Don't change my number. You gave me my number. I'm going to keep it. He kept his, that number 24 as a receiver. And, you know, I don't think much of that, but trust me, his coach said that is very rare nowadays. Guys are very consumed in general. <laughs> the modern player with the jerseys, the numbers, the uniforms, the social media looks, all that stuff. Skymore just all business. He played high school football with Mike Tomlin's son. And the way it's told to me, a lot of Mike Tomlin kind of very likable, but tough and no nonsense. That vibe rubbed off on Skymore. So um, I pretty much like everything I hear about Skymore and like what I see when I watch him. I like that. that that's a fabulous breakdown. I like Skymore. Because on October 16th, 2021, he had eight catches for 140 yards and two touchdowns as the Western Michigan Broncos destroyed the Kent State Golden Flashes 64 to 31. So that's reason enough for me as a Zips fan. Yeah. Um, and that's analysis, a thing. Huh? Like, that, yeah. And that's a thing that when they did play up uh, in competition, he still yeah. got open. It wasn't just against the MAC teams because you can look at that in question level competition. But uh, no, nobody could really guard this guy uh, in his collegiate career. And again, uh, uh, relatively new to the position, only three seasons. He's young. I think he's still 21. I mean, he just fits a lot. Now, he's not a bigger guy. He's probably best as a slot guy, but he can do. I mean, he's he's a tick under 5'10" but he can do stuff on the outside too. Um, and I just think he f can fill Jarvis Landry type roles for you. Um, you know, there are other guys for sure uh, at wide receiver who could make sense, but he would be my vote. And I think he'd make a lot of sense. I didn't do a mock draft once the Browns were out of the first round. Um, but if I were doing mm -hmm. one, I would, uh, I would just go ahead and, and assign them sky more. Um, kind of wishful thinking based on the guy I, I would vote for is the guy just makes a ton of sense for what they need and the things that uh, I think are appealing about him. But George Pickens from Georgia is a really popular one linked to the Browns. Um, you know, is Christian Watson there? Is George Pickens 
you know, George Pickens is another guy that, you know, even Sky Moore, like some of these guys you hear um, could go in the first round. So are any of those guys still available? Um, you know, I think Jahan Dotson from Penn State is a guy like that, you know, first round talk. Um, but, you know, if, if 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 any of those guys are, are available there at 44, um, it, it would it would make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, we just don't know exactly how the Browns feel about everybody, which is why this is such a guessing game. And then you get into do they like a, a defensive end more? And, um, you know, I don't know what you think of the defensive end class, but the two really stand out to me. I mean, Logan Hall. I guess is the best of both worlds, defensive end, defensive tackle, his position versatility. When I think of Joe Woods, versatility is like one of the words that I associate with him, type of players he looks for and the type of scheme he wants to run. And I think that Logan Hall is fascinating from that standpoint, Um, you know, can play end on first and second down and kick in to the interior and the sub package as a, as a interior rusher. Um, so Logan Hall out of Houston is a popular guy to link to the Browns for those reasons. Um, we've talked a lot on the here before, uh, David Ajabo from Michigan, uh, you know, is going to be a, probably a top 15, uh, maybe even top 10 pick, uh, before he suffered a torn Achilles at his pro day last month. You know, he might be more of a three, four guy, but you know, he's six, four, if you think you can you know, um, get him back from the Achilles even late in the 2022 season, um, which isn't out of the question and, you know, get a little bit out of him as a, as a pass rush specialist, as a rookie, and then, and try to develop him. Um, you know, I wouldn't rule out that idea. I know I'm a little, uh, more, uh, kind of open to the idea of him playing four three end than you are Dan, which I totally get because it's you know we saw him standing up at Michigan. I talked to his position coach; he was most comfortable rushing from a standing position, so that's what they let him do. Um, he they've seen him in a three point stance. The coach thinks he could play in a four three, but the coach also said ideally uh, he probably would have his most success in a three, four. So that is a, you know, a feather in your cap. Um, he's not ruling out four, three, but he's saying in a perfect world, he probably would be that three, four that you see him more as Dan at the NFL level. And that's partly because he's so athletic and can drop in coverage very well. Um, and another DN, I guess I'll say three, I said two off the bat that just stands out that you hear a lot about is Drake Jackson from USC, uh, 21 years old and, and fits a lot of the profile, what the Browns look like or look for, under Andrew Barry when they're picking these guys in the draft. Yeah. Real quick, just to circle back on Sky Moore, uh, I have Dane Brugler, the athletic, his draft guide up right now. It's the best thing that's published every year, basically. Sky Moore has, uh, of the 48 wide receivers that Dane lists here, this is unbelievable because Sky Moore is five foot nine and a half. Sky Moore has the biggest hands of any wide receiver that Dane has in his draft guide. Yeah. That's that's crazy. He had the biggest hand measurement at the combine among receivers, so I knew that. I didn't know about, you know, also expanding it out to Dane's draft guide, even a larger sample size, because he goes even with guys who weren't at the combine with as deep yeah. as Dane goes. But um, what's so funny about that 
and I, I, I'm, I feel so redundant because it's all I had this all these things about Jarvis Landry in my head because of what he's meant to the Browns for the past four seasons. Jarvis mm-hmm. Landry has huge hands. I don't know what yeah. his hand measurement was. Maybe maybe you do at the combine, but Jarvis Landry's what is, he's probably five ten off the top of my head. Uh, maybe five eleven. I don't know. Um, he's not six foot, but he he has huge hands too. So again, there's it's like, are we getting some guy who might you know be able to do the Jarvis Landry type things, including make some spectacular catches? Because as good as and uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is at circus, circus catches, uh, wow, Jarvis Landry can really put on a show too. And I think that goes overlooked when when people discuss those like two best friends from LSU. Mm-hmm. Well, Jarvis Landry's official pre-draft measurables. I don't know if these were at the Combine or LSU's Pro Day, but five okay. eleven and a half. Uh, which, okay, uh, same hand size as as your guy Sky Moore. Oh my! Older. See, it's just it's destiny. <laughs> it is. It is very much destiny. And another thing you you mentioned a couple times when you were going through some of the players there was age. Yeah. Is that is that that big of a deal for yes. for how Andrew Berry picks? Yes. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Um, um, go ahead. Well, no, I'm I I have Dane's draft guide up right now, and I'm just he has a. This is why Dane's thing is so good. Not to give this guy a plug because he's not going to know I'm doing it anyway. But well, give give him a plug because I use it and I talk about Dane all the time this time of year, especially. Um, he has a whole column of what age these players are going to be by draft day. So part yeah. of me, I'm going, I'm just going down the list. I'm not looking at height or forty time or or anything else. I'm looking at like, you know, just scrolling down here. Where'd the kid go? There's a guy who a wide receiver. I don't know anything about him. My Mike Polk from Mississippi State. Dane projects him as a fifth or sixth rounder. He's he's under 21 as of draft day. He's 20.73 years old. Um, part of me wonders, like, would it behoove me to just go through and just find all of the youngest players at the Browns positions of need and you know, put together their draft class that way. Um, yeah, I, I would pair that with um, who does Pro Football Focus really like, who's really I young, and then you're like in the wheelhouse of the Browns. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, George George Pickens is really young. So here's what I'll tell you. Here's a little bit of uh, data that I found. It's not nearly as advanced as the ones as the things the Browns have, but. Um, <clears throat> Andrew Berry's made uh, 15 draft picks in his two two uh, years as GM. Um, those players, those all 15 at the time of the draft, were 20, 21, or 22. No 23 year olds. So so 23 and older, throw them out. Huh. Um, furthermore. <laughs> They don't have a first-round pick this year, but the two first-round picks, so the, the, the first guys, obviously, he drafted in each year, cornerback uh, Greg Newsom II and left tackle Jedrick Wills Jr., they were both 20 when they were drafted. Right. So he, he went very young um, with his two first-round picks. Now, 
this, this year it's a little weirder just because we have this is kind of the draft of the players who were in the COVID year where you got another basically free year of college. So there there might be some exception to that this year. Um, like there, there are some guys in this draft that are almost 25 already. So, you know, there, there could be some exception, but I, I think that gives you a nice baseline of, you know, what the Browns might be looking at. Like Drake Jackson, the player you mentioned from USC, he is just over 21, like literally 21.04 days old. I'm not sure what the, what the, after the point means exactly. I'd have to look up how Dane does those, but it means he's very young is all. And if you're talking about, you know, need fits with, with correct talent level fits, Drake Jackson, you know, six foot three, 273 pound defensive end, giant hands, super long wingspan, long arms, um, young, I don't know that thinking about it now, maybe that makes a lot more sense. Um, Logan Hall just turned 22 and, you know, so I I think you're right on with the guys they could be really thinking about. And I I do wonder if we just named who they're going to be picking at number 44. Well, Sky Moore is still 21, right? Yep. And, I know I just said that, but just to cross check because yeah. sometimes a birthday will pop up on me. Uh, behind the scenes, I told Dan that I've, I've you know, yesterday uh, we actually saw each other in person for the first time, and <laughs> I don't know how long. I mean, at least since before the, at least since 2020. Yeah. Um, the pandemic, but anyhow, um, yeah, Baker Mayfield recently turned 27, and I had a baker mayfield trade story it said he was 26 that's how long we've been waiting for him to get traded <laughs> so anyway a <laughs> birthday can pop up on you uh with some of these guys but um pickens is 21 right yep uh so yeah um those are interesting ones now christian watson from north dakota state i think he's a little bit older yes. i think he's almost 23 yeah you're um, right i need to scroll back up and i'll yeah try so he's still 22 at the time of the draft so technically, I, I can't throw him out of the Browns trend, but it yeah. might be a consideration. Now He is days shy of 23 years old. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Paul D. Podesta, uh, I, I did use this quote. He talked about age and picking guys who are young uh, at the owners meetings last month in Florida. And it was a longer quote, but the snippet that I basically it's like, yeah, it's something we're always going to look at. Um, but. He can't dismiss a guy who's older. And the quote was, you know, he can't entirely dismiss a guy who's older, right? There's always going to be outliers. Um, but if they did pick somebody 23 and older, that, that definitely would be an outlier. It would be the first for this regime. But his quote mm-hmm. was, if we were solely focused on age, we would have missed Cooper Cup. And I looked it up. And when the Rams picked Cup in 2017, he was 23. And then that June, like a couple months after the draft, he turned 24 in the June before his rookie season. And so you would not want to pass on Cooper Cup just because of his age. And that was De Podesta's point. Like, yes, it's important to us. It's one of our, you know, whatever, guardrails. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but 
you know, there are exceptions to every rule, and Cooper Cup was one of them. He he was. The thing about Cooper Cup is the Browns did pass on him. He was taken in the third round in 2017 with the 69th overall pick. Right. Uh, a few but, picks before that, the Browns <laughs> took Larry Ogunjobi. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying they didn't pass on him, but his point is they can't pass on guys just because yeah. they're 23 or older. Yeah. Even no, though so far that's what they've done. Right. Yeah. How about that? I have a. I just looked it up real quick. 2017 draft. Browns take Ogunjobi at 65. Who's fine? 67th pick Alvin Kamara. 69th pick Cooper Cup. Whoops. Uh. I have I've gone to the senior bowl and I've watched guys and I've made some like statements like, oh, this guy looked really good. And then he completely flopped, didn't do anything in the NFL or or just said like because I went to the senior bowl with Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen in it in 2018. And I went in 2017 the year before. But I remember Cooper Cup dominating the practices and saying like on the radio and, and other things like. Man, Cooper, this guy Cooper Cup, this guy Cooper Cup just was like the best guy out there. He's like, so like sometimes it really does translate, and other times it's like, well, that was a worthless uh, <laughs> thing to thing to watch and say. Like, because I remember Josh Allen. I mean, everybody talks about the accuracy. They literally set up the throwing net, you know, in that stadium in Mobile, Alabama. And I've seen quarterbacks throw hun- hundreds of balls into the, those throwing nets over the years. I've never seen somebody throw it entirely over the entire apparatus, miss the whole thing, <laughs> until Josh Allen did it. And I was like, oh, my God, the Browns can't pick him number one overall. I mean, and I mean, the right. completion percentage at Wyoming, is it, it was low, and everything you heard about um, the inaccuracy from the, the analysts and the scouts, and then when you watch, um, you know, the his, his game uh, – clips and videos online and stuff like I do it's like a little bit all over the place and then you see him miss the net well it turns out that didn't matter he got it straightened out well that's the thing that's that's the thing in general with the draft though right it it mattered at the time it's probably why he felt at the time and it's a credit to him for being able to develop and listen to coaching and work on his craft and, and, you know, everything else that comes with getting taken in the draft, that's the thing we, you cannot, um, that's the thing you cannot analyze about a player really until they're in the NFL, you know, how, how much are they willing to change how they play to be better? Can they, how much does money affect them? You know, all, all that sort of, you know, variable stuff we can't measure is, is a huge part in it. It's why undirected free agents become really good players or why Cooper cup can be an older pick taken in the third round and become arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. He was picked in the third round for a reason, but he he's worked on his game. So that that's the part of things we just don't know how to um, project with, with players in general. So just so happened it worked out great for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. With, with I mean, Josh Allen. Now, yeah. could that have happened with Josh Allen in Cleveland? I don't know. Maybe yeah, not. Right. So, you know, it, it's a it's a credit to him and the, the Bills organization. So very well, we'll said. We'll yeah. see. 
Well, we'll see what kind of happens with the Browns and, and what they do. And it, if they can develop the player they take at, at 44 or beyond, because that, that's the thing about taking guys outside of the first round. You're, you're not taking the sure things are most likely gone for the most part. You have to draft and develop and kind of hope you, you pick the right guy and, and go from there. And whether, whether it's Sky Moore or, you know, Perry and Winfrey, that's what we're going to find out on Friday. You want to call your shot before we go? For 44? Oh, well, I did do a seven-round mock draft um, using the Pro Football Focus Mock Draft Simulator, which is one of my favorite things on the internet. I could spend hours using it, and I probably will tonight, actually. That's my fun Wednesday night. Um, I went with Logan Hall because you got me hooked on him, the, the defensive lineman from Houston. I think that's logical to me. Um, but now that we've been talking this whole time, Nate, I, I'm going to give you Sky Moore. I'll let that be your guy. I would be over the moon if the Browns took Sky Moore. I think the fit's great. I think he'll be good. I'm stuck right now on Drake Jackson from USC, defensive lineman. Not not to pick <laughs> out a guy that you managed to not do a big preview on. Yeah. Right? Well, uh, yeah, but he's 21. And like I yes. said, he just he, there's a lot of things about him that make that make him, you know, a profile fit for what they typically target uh, yes. under Andrew Barry. And I totally get it. And he is mentioned in this big analysis and everything um, because, uh, well, I mentioned a lot of guys, but <laughs> mm-hmm. um, he was on the tip of my tongue for this podcast. I'll say that because because of those reasons. So I don't blame you at all for. We're kind of shifting gears a little bit. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to go with. Uh, position value, decent enough player value. You can you can argue that all, all day if you wanted to, but played in a fair amount of games over three years, 28, 26 starts, uh, productive relatively, 12 and a half sacks over that time, 25 tackles for loss. Looks like he has all the physical tools the Browns would want, the age thing like you mentioned. I, that's where I'm going to go with Drake Jackson. Um, do you have here? Here's another question. Brown's draft question. Should they draft a kicker? Yes. Will they draft a kicker? Yes. <laughs> they've got fair enough. I'm, I'm not going to ask you to pick out a kicker. So they've got, yeah, I mean, they've got a sixth round pick and two seventh round picks. Um, if they trade Baker Mayfield, like on Friday, like let's say mm-hmm. one of the potential landing spots doesn't end up with a Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis or Desmond Ritter or whoever else, um, maybe maybe they are able to make the move Friday before you know uh, the second round starts or you know or maybe it's Saturday, whatever. If if the Baker Mayfield trade goes down, I see him adding uh, another pick, um, you know, in this draft. I could. I think that that would be a scenario to look out for. And, and so you got some, 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 I guess, prime spots to, to take your shot on a kicker. And uh, this goes back to just the idea that, you know, they did resign Chase McLaughlin, but they were last in the league in field goal percentage last year. And when you, 
when you invest again, when you invest $230 million fully guaranteed uh, in your quarterback, you want to surround him with weapons and protect him with the line. And yes, he has Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, but you need more. And Amari Cooper and the guys we talked about earlier, David Njoku, yada, 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 the list goes on. But you need more receivers, and I think they will. But then also, when it comes down to him uh, you know, leading a two-minute drive or whatever to put you in field goal position to make a kick to win a game, uh, whether it's you know a crucial, first, a crucial regular season game for playoff positioning or if you get to the playoffs – you need, you want you want to have somebody reliable. You don't want the the roller coaster that Chase McLaughlin took you on last year. And so I think that they're they're definitely going to bring somebody in to compete with McLaughlin. The only question is what you asked earlier: is it a draft pick, or are they going to sign like um, you know an undrafted rookie uh, that that Mike Prefer has his eye on, who's going to you know not be one of the few kickers taken. Um, mm-hmm. I just think yeah, why I, I, why 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 mess around? Why I mean you right. need it you need it just use a pick you've got them use a pick you've got some late round yeah. picks spend one and take care of this. Um, look at the division. We look at the division. We look at the quarterbacks: Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. Okay, Ben Roethlisberger retired. You know TBD in Pittsburgh. I think they upgrade over Mitch Trubisky in the first round. Um, we'll see, uh, but. You know, look at the kickers. I mean, <laughs> it. you know, they had a rookie sensation in Cincinnati last year, uh, and he helped them get to the Super Bowl. And we know Baltimore has a future Hall of Fame kicker. Mm-hmm. And Chris Boswell is pretty good for the Steelers. So, um, you know, these are – this is a tough division with, with uh, good teams – and you're going to have some tight games and you need to win those division games above all. Those are like the money balls in the three point contest. So <laughs> don't have a kicker who's going to screw it up. <laughs> yeah. It, Cause it those other, okay. those other teams have kickers who are going to deliver. They do. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable how good Justin Tucker is. He's a, in hindsight, he should have been a first round pick considering how good he is. How about this quick? Yes or no one, Nate. The Browns have two third-round picks right now, and this is—I guess this is a—I'm going to dovetail these two yes or no questions. Browns have two third-round picks. Will they make both, and will Andrew Barry find some way to get a pick in the 2023 draft? Uh, I, I think they'll make both. I think they'll pick twice in the third round, but they may maneuver. I think in the second round. You know, here's the thing. If they face another Jeremiah Owusu uh, Koromoa scenario, then they mm-hmm. w- they could move up in the second round. That means that somebody falls. They run all these simulations. Uh, last year, they never thought that, that JOK would be the one to fall. They considered taking him in the first round at number 26 overall. They took Newsom instead. When JOK started to fall, they had worked out a scenario for a faller uh, that they had a first-round grade on. That compelled them to move up from 59 to 52 and take JOK there. So they trade up seven spots at 44. I think they're probably going to stay put. But if they get in that situation where there's a faller, I keep thinking of just and I <laughs> I wrote about this a little bit. George Karloftis is interesting for Purdue defensive end. We've talked about him before, but 
he's a guy that I've and I've heard different draft analysts say first round, first round, first round all the way. And I've also heard some say he's kind of if you had to, like, make a list of guys who are widely viewed as first rounders who could possibly slide. He might be one of them because there are just different opinions throughout the league and on, on the grading of him. Like, say somebody like him, say the Browns love him, say he somehow fell into the into the second round or whatever, then that's your that could be your potential JOK scenario where you move up to get somebody like that. That's just a name of a, you know, somebody who's talked about in that way that, that could potentially maybe an outside chance that, that that could happen. I mean, he could be picked 16th for all I know, but, you know, you never know. So um, having said that, I do think it's it's that it's more likely they, they would even trade down than up. Um, and, and, and trading down from 44, still knowing that you could get a guy. That's the Grant Delpit scenario uh, from, from two drafts ago where they knew they could – they wanted Grant Delpit. They had a really good intel that they could move back a little bit and pick up a fifth-round pick. They ended up taking Nick Harris, who is going to compete for the starting center job, probably is the front-runner for that to, to succeed J.C. Treader. Um, they ended up picking him in the fifth round from that move back uh, – with the Grant Delpit pick in the second round. So uh, I think that, you know, more times than not, they're going to be moving back instead of moving up when it comes to trades in the draft, because moving back gets you more picks. And and we know that's a staple of analytics to take more swings. Uh, You know, it's something that, you know, Andrew Barry and Paul D. Podesta are always going to favor. So if they did move back from 44, like move down uh, from 44 and pick maybe at 50 or whatever, then, yeah, that could get them a future, a pick in a future draft. So, you know, and and then in the third round, yeah, I would not be surprised at all if they if they maneuvered. I think that they probably do want to make, you know, two picks in the third round. Um, But again, you know, it's 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 one of those things if somebody's fallen and they feel like they can really. The, the, the Paul D. Podesta quote is, you know, win on the mar- margins. If they think that they can get a bargain, somebody they really like, then I could see them, you know, moving up and 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 being aggressive that way. But I, I basically, I, I expect them to be active and moving around, um, you know, on Friday and and Saturday. Like I just, I think there'll be multiple trades. Yeah, I agree. I, I just think if nothing else, it's Andrew Barry's nature to, to get creative and aggressive and and all that kind of stuff. And George Karloftis just turned 21. Could I know. Onto something. I know. He's there's some things you can see online about who checks different boxes for like what the mm-hmm. Browns look look at and age. Obviously, one of them, there's other like measurables and F, the. um athletic score and all that stuff and different uh, analytics. And he's like one of the guys that checks every single box <laughs> supposedly for what they look right. I just, some stuff I've seen online, but so, you know, he's kind of always in the back of my mind for, for some of those reasons. Plus he has a really, really cool story, uh, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to write about him in the first place. Um, but then I got his head coach on the phone and he said, he's going to be an all pro for a decade, um, which is a crazy statement. You know, that's like, you know, that's literally Joe Thomas's career. So um, (laughs) 
if that's if that's really going to happen, then you definitely need to trade up and get him. But Andrew Berry said it's unlikely he's going to trade in the first round, and we know how this is line season. That's a quote I actually believe. Right? You know, for for I don't know, like I believe it like ninety five percent of that quote. Like it would be a, a big surprise if they traded up. Um, and back into the first round and made a pick on Thursday night. Yeah, that, that would be the surprise of the weekend, I think, for at least as far as the Browns go. Nate, do you have any other draft hot takes you want to get on the record before we get out of here? Um, you know, I just think that we're going to come out of, of Friday night uh, with the Browns having a new wide receiver, a new defensive lineman, um, and probably, uh, probably two. I wouldn't be shocked if they hit – those three big needs, boom, 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 on Friday night. Receiver, defensive end, defensive tackle. So that's not really a hot take, but I, I think that as as hard as it is to know, you know, who to guess they'll pick at 44, I think the positions are pretty clear. Yeah, I, I think so too, and I, I think it's going to be interesting, though, the, the creativity factor and the Baker Mayfield factor. I know there's no first-round pick for the Browns, but it's going to be a, a very, very unique draft for, for what they do. We're going to have full coverage of whatever the Browns do over at thebeaconjournal.com. Just beaconjournal.com, excuse me. Nate will, of course, have everything out on Twitter. He's at by Nate Ulrich. You can find all of his stuff over at beaconjournal.com slash sports slash Browns. There's some really good features that Nate has been writing leading up to the draft. So if you haven't read those, uh, please do. The, the Sky Moore one he mentioned is great. The George Karloftis one is really good, too. Um, I, I like the, uh, the Connecticut guy, Travis Jones. Um, there, there's a lot of good stuff. Logan Hall's up there. He, Nate has several, so you can find all those much more from our colleagues. And of course, don't forget, we are brought to you by the USA Today Sports Plus Network. Make sure to check them out on the Apple Store and the Google Play Store. Thank you very much for listening this week, and we will talk to you next time. <laughs>